and welcome to Alzheimer's Speaks Radio. I'm your host, Lori LeBay, and I'm so excited that you're joining us today. We are going to have a fascinating conversation, as usual, as we learn from people all around the world at all ages and stages of life. Stay tuned as we shift our dementia care from crisis to comfort. Well, hi, everyone. I am so glad you are joining us today. We are going to be having a great conversation. As always here on Alzheimer's Speaks, we are going to be talking about finding the right elder care uh, because it's really difficult to do and CareBrains has made that easy. So we'll be talking with them to learn more about their company. But before I introduce you to the guests that we have today, um, I'm going to do a couple of shout outs. One is I always just urge people to check out alzheimerspeaks.com. There you'll find all kinds of resources. We finally got our blog migrated over to the website. Can you believe it? It's only taken me over 10 years to do uh, because I've always had that on a separate site that is up and running on the site now. We also have our free educational resources where you'll find a, a wide variety of things. Our book, Betty the Bald Chicken, Lessons in How to Care, which really is about our care culture at all levels and stages. And it's great for all, uh, it's really great for everybody um, and all different situations. So you can check that out as well. And then I want to mention uh, two support groups that I do. One is Caregiver Connect which meets once a month in person at the Shoreview Community Center here in Minnesota. And we meet the last Wednesday of the month from 10 to 1130. Care partners are welcome to also bring their loved ones with dementia and there is respite care for that. You just have to contact me ahead of time and make sure that that they're appropriate for that setting. And then we have Arthur's Senior Care sponsors our Arthur's Memory Cafe. And that meets twice a month and that is virtual and anybody in the world is welcome. And we meet one to three uh, central time. So that would be two to four then Eastern time. And again, for both of those, just reach out to me at radio at alzheimerspeaks.com and we'll get you set up for that. I also want to do a huge thank you to QBlocks, who is an e-commerce agency, and they specialize in B Corps. And if you don't know what that is, those are companies that have been verified by B Lab that have really high standards, um, and they have met those. And their focus really is on social and environmental performance, transparency, accountability, sustainability, uh, planet-friendly and purpose-driven brands. And I can tell you, I have been working with them and they have been absolutely fantastic. They have over 18 years of experience um, serving the globe. And they've got a team of about 45 professionals that um, do everything from Shopify and WordPress to, to HP. And they specialize in e-commerce digital marketing, analytics, search and conversion optimizations, um, email marketing and consulting and Magento as well. 
And if you want to check them out, you can get a 10% discount on QBlocks. Just go to QBlocks, at C-U-E-B-L-O-C-K-S dot com. And in your subject line, just put a $10 discount and mention Lori, L-O-R-I. And, you know, they're very reasonable to begin with. They range between $40 and $55 an hour. You can also email them if you'd like at letstalk at qblocks.com. Again, just the nicest people when I'm ready to pull out my hair over technology. They are calm, they are available, and they are right on point, and they just uh, stay right with you. So check them out. So with wrapping that up, let's go ahead and introduce you to our guest today. Well, ladies, I am so excited to have you on the show and uh, to have you tell myself and, and my audience more about CareBrains. Uh, we have been you know, chit-chatting for a while. It's taken us a while to, to get this set up, um, but I think it's going to be life-changing for so many in our audience. So first of all, thank you both for joining us today. Our Thanks pleasure. For Thanks us. for having us. Um, I always like to have you guys introduce yourselves because I think my guests can do such a better job than I can. So uh, Ting, I'm going to have you go ahead and start if you don't mind. Sure. Hi, everyone. My name is Ting Shi. I am the CEO and founder of ClickMedics, which is a company I started more than 10 years ago out of MIT. Uh, fast forward 10 years. I met Jody and wanted to tackle dementia together. Um, I have a family history of dementia. I know I look young, <laughs> not so young. <laughs> Definitely need to be prepared as early as possible um, for my parents as well as myself. So really, really excited to share our learnings and our innovations with you. Wonderful. Thank you. Jody, you want to go ahead and introduce yourself? Or my name is Jody Lyons, and I am, as people have called me, a care manager on steroids. So I help people find the care they need throughout the country. And over the years, my specialty has developed to be people with various dementias. I co-authored a book called Brain Health As You Age. And Ting and I have been very actively involved. As I say, she took my brain and used her technology to make me so much more efficient because the need that's out there is much greater than any one person or two people can handle. Um, we all know how much dementia affects the communities. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Well, ladies, I'd, I'd like to know if you've each been touched by dementia and Jody, I'm gonna stick with you and if you wanna let sure. our audience know. Well, I do not have a family history of dementia. Um, my family never lived long enough to get it, but they had histories of heart disease and diabetes, which we now know can affect dementia. But 100% of my clients have some sort of cognitive impairment. And so throughout the country, I'm, I'm the person they call for uh, Alzheimer's, young onset Alzheimer's or frontotemporal. So as I say, I'm the family and friend support uh, because we just never lived long enough to have dementia. Yeah, that's amazing with your history in the family that, that someone along the line didn't have that. Ting, how about they you? They died too young. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I actually recently learned that both my grandparents died of dementia when they were about in their 80s. Um, and I didn't realize it until I started working with Jody. So I'm a technologist by training. And what I do is find experts around the world and tackle disease areas together. So, you know, at first it was HIV in Sub-Saharan Africa. Now it's diabetes, heart disease. And very recently, since working with Jody on Care Brains, it's been dementia. And that's when I started asking my parents about, well, what's, what happened to grandparents? Then my dad told me my grandmom hallucinated, was angry and aggressive. And, you know, and I'm learning, well, that's most likely frontal temporal lobe dementia. And I learned that, oh, through Jody as we try to build care brains together. And it's really shocking to me that, you know, I'm, my ethnicity is Chinese. A lot of times we just call it getting old, not identifying as a disease, a disease that have ways to um, treat it, to care for those with dementia, um, and certainly worrying about the hereditary traits of dementia and how it could affect my parents and um, siblings and others, other relatives. So, so really near and dear to my heart. Well, thank you. And I think it's really common for families to um, not address it, not label it, because once you label it, then it's like, okay, now you got to do something different you know, with mm -hmm. it. Nobody has time for that. So there's a lot of denial in yeah. all different cultures. And, and it, you know, it kind of takes off in different directions, depending on uh, the individual cultures and what does their family structure look like? What are their beliefs around it? And that that's really interesting when you dive into all of that as well. How, how different um, we, we actually are in many ways and yet how similar we are on others. Um, Ting, can you tell us how the two of you met? Yeah, so I uh, mentioned earlier, I founded my company, ClickNetics, more than 10 years ago out of MIT. A lot of work we did were in global health in Sub-Saharan Africa, Far East Asia, and other places. Um, it's a telemedicine company. It also enabled health workers that are in those countries to be assisted by um, medical specialists who are remote, we call them the experts. And we thought, well, that's there's certainly a need in the U.S. as well, particularly areas where there aren't enough specialists, such as neurologists. We don't know how long it takes to get a neurologist appointment and what could we do in the U.S.? So, you know, in the D.C. area, I asked around, Jody was first introduced to me as the person who could actually navigate healthcare, everything from insurance to um, to different um, ways, different treatment methods, different types of doctors, and really helping me getting a lay of the land on U.S. healthcare system and how it actually works, particularly what happens in the hospital, out of the hospital, and as you'll know, very, very convoluted. And that's how I first learned about Jody, and given her experience um, managing patients with dementia and taking care of them throughout their entire journey, we've been friends for a long time, and I'd say partly because of the pandemic, you know, we all kind of had a uh, inward looking inward look at ourselves on you know what is it that we can do you know <laughs> should we survive this pandemic and really leaving a legacy behind we got together and say you know we have to tackle dementia I know I need to be worried about it because of my family um, situations 
And I know it affects so many people, so many caregivers. And we thought, you know, we've got to do something about dementia. And that's how we came up with CareBrains. So, um, Ting, I wanted to ask you, you got, you had mentioned that kind of over COVID, you guys were talking about, you got to do something for dementia. How did, how did CareBrains actually come to be? I mean, what were those discussions like? And even just coming up with the name, all of those types of things. <laughs> I would take us back to even eight years ago um, for, um, so CMS launched a billion, now multi-billion dollar innovation challenge. And we started brainstorming with uh, with Montgomery County, Maryland, uh, what are the biggest issues with, for seniors in the region and what we can do about it. Um, tackling dementia, it's almost a natural because of Jody's experience decades working with, um, patients with cognitive, cognitive disorders and a lot of them, um, diagnosed with a form of dementia. So that was almost a natural something in dementia. And then we looked at, you know, given, given this situation, what do you do? And a lot of it is doing a 360 assessment of the patient. You know, what is the clinical aspect? What is the social support aspect? Is there any support with families or others paid or unpaid support for that person? Um, you know, we know dementia is a lot of money to care for. So what's the financial aspect? Really looking at everything around the patient and providing the support where it's needed to help that patient as they go through the dementia journey, which could be short, could be long, could be a decade. I mean, so it's quite a convoluted disease. And a lot of times it's not just about the patient. It's about the caregiver who is spending and devoting their entire life energy to help that person with dementia. So that's how we came up with it at first, looking at how, what does this person need in order to go through this journey and all of the aspect, clinical, financial, social support, um, mental health support, that's needed. And what can our government department of health do? What can the county do to help support both the patient and their family caregivers in these situations? Um, we came up with the name Care Brains because I mean Jody's brain, an expert in caring for dementia and a bit of play on word with brain. So so that that took a while, but you know, we thought that name just fits perfectly. Wonderful. Jody. anything you want to add to that? That's basically it. Uh, you know, I was very, very fortunate because Ting has an expertise that most people don't have. And I called her up one time and I said, I can't stand it anymore. People are calling me at three o'clock in the morning, two o'clock in the morning. You know, the ambulance is on the way. I'm getting calls from hospitals, from the emergency room saying, please make it stop. We we've got to come up with something more efficient than people dial the phone and say, Jody, wake up. And because of Ting's technological expertise, we were able to get a system in place and have technology back up the humans so that humans can be more efficient. And perhaps I can sleep at three o'clock in the morning instead of being up. But as you know, and as all the caregivers know, Nobody ever falls Monday through Friday, nine to five. It's always, you know, the crisis when the family's trying to do something else. We incorporated automation in terms of the process I mentioned, the 360 assessment of the person with dementia. 
Um, so a lot of that can be automated as because it's, you know, a full screening set of questionnaires and assessments. Um, a second thing we did is extracting all of Jody's knowledge into training courses that are very easy for family caregivers and those with dementia, early stage dementia to understand. Oh, that's fantastic. You know, it's interesting when you're talking about those calls, you know, in the middle of the night and stuff. It, it seems like people don't call often unless it's a crisis, you know, because they just they don't have time in their normal day. And then when they're ready to pull their hair out and they're scared to death and they're about ready for a panic attack themselves, it's like, OK, yeah. where is everybody? And what they don't know yes. is there's not there's not a lot of everybody out there to support right. them during that time, which is why it's so great. You guys have pulled together what you have. Now, Jody, one of the things that you talk about is helping people find care they need. Do you feel sometimes people um, get pushed in directions that really aren't helpful? That is a perfect question to ask. Um, you know, when you go to the doctor's office and you say, Dr. Google told me, Mm -hmm. And you like look up symptoms and everything is flu-like symptoms. The same thing is true in our industry where everything looks like the words assisted living. And salespeople will tell you, yeah, we can do that, whatever the that is. And unfortunately, there's not been a lot of consumer education around what the marketing words really mean, what the services really are, what are reasonable expectations? What are unreasonable expectations? I mean, it, in full disclosure, no facility or care provider or aid is going to sit and watch your mother 24-7 staring at them to see if she blinks. It's not going to happen. But people are being steered toward putting a head in a bed. Um. One of the things that's unusual about us is we get paid by the families. We don't ever accept any money from the facilities or care providers to which we refer. So we can say, hey, this isn't a good fit. And we also want to make sure that it's financially, socially, culturally, legally, geographically, and medically the right fit. And that becomes a lot harder than um, just looking on the internet and saying assisted living. The flow we basically say is when you want to buy a house, you don't start and say, I want to make sure it has a red door. You kind of want to narrow down where it is, what your budget is, how many bedrooms you need, like whittle down what your needs are to find the right house. And that's what we're doing with care and culture and finances and legal and the other thing Ting and I always say is we're not going to let the disease kill the caregiver too. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-494-8310. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-494-8310. 
You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-494-8310. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Well, that's great. You know, I was in real estate for 25 years before um, before this, and my specialty was the senior market. And so I can really understand what you're talking about is it, it's kind of that quick fix and everybody's yep. coming from different angles. The doctors don't have a cure, so go here. The kids don't have the time and the energy, so go here. And the yes. parents is going, but I like my house. You know, and and, and I'd like to stay here. And sometimes uh, they're making moves, you know, across the city or across the country or even the world to be by their kids who's who don't always make the time once they arrive either. And I that social piece, I think, is so critically important as well. And and I liked when you mentioned the different levels of of all the things you're looking at, because that was one of the things I kind of did a lot of education in pounding of the pavement was this is not a move for end of life. This is just a move right. for another stage of life. And yes. every stage of life, you evaluate the same criteria as everyone else. Your needs are just different. So your outcomes are going to be different. That's the only thing. And to me, it was critical to make people feel more similar than different in that process to, to yes. calm down um, everything there. So I, I, Absolutely. I, do, I do think that there are um, a variety of needs. And I think even when it comes to the housing piece alone, so many different terms that are similar and different out there. I mean, it just gets your head turning and that affordability piece, um, people not understanding where money is coming from, you know, because a lot of times they don't even consider the house they're sitting in and stuff. So there's just so many different variables and that's just one piece of the equation but even yes um, you know the doctors I have found in please tell me if you're seeing different but I usually see their remedy is another appointment a medication and get your plans and affairs in order and then it's yes you know, adios and people go out in the car and cry for two hours before they can even drive home because it's not enough it's not what they're looking for Well, honestly, that's exactly why we created the training programs we have. We have um, ACCME accredited training for medical professionals. And then we did the same training for family caregivers because we were finding that they weren't speaking the same language. They didn't know the same things. And to your point, many of our clients were getting a, a meeting with a doctor that says, yeah, you have Alzheimer's, see me in a year. Oh, out the front door and into the parking lot they go. What does it mean? What do you do? And then people are left to their own devices. And there was no real consistent, detailed, and very honest education. We talk about a lot of things people don't want to talk about, right? I mean, I keep saying pee poop and finances. It's important <laughs> and nobody wants to talk about it. Do you talk about the change of diagnosis? Because I think that is one thing I hear over and over. People are not prepared for. It's like, oh, you have Alzheimer's. No, you have MCI. 
oh, you know what? You got Louie body. And mm-hmm. sometimes when they make these moves, they change doctors and the doctors change. And they're like, my symptoms haven't changed. How come my diagnosis is changing? Yes. And they just kind of go crazy. But people yeah. aren't prepared for A, the change or B, to possibly have multiple types of dementia that they're dealing with. And, and that is something I think really needs to be talked about to families, but also the impact needs to be talked about with the doctors of what that does to a family and and how you support that. Because it's not just, you know, here you go, life is fine. You know, that's not how a family is looking at this at all. Exactly. You know, the old joke used to be take two aspirin and call me in the morning. This isn't that case. And, you know, one of the things Ting and I say on a pretty regular basis is if your doctor diagnoses you with dementia, go find another doctor because dementia is a cluster of symptoms, not a disease. Definitely. In fact, our very first course is called Deciphering the World of Dementia, which gets to every single diagnosis under the dementia umbrella and how it can change. And you can have mixed dementia and symptoms to look for and some of the ramifications um, and stories of patients who were wrongly diagnosed and had to go. I mean, one was admitted to a psych ward instead of being in a memory care facility. So, you know, I think number one is understanding the different symptoms. As a caregiver, you see a lot more than a doctor seeing in that snapshot, in that, you know, maybe 30-minute office visit advocate, know the symptoms, know what diseases are, and question the doctors, make sure so covered that there's, you know, MRI proving, you know, what you're seeing and the symptoms and that they all match. Because wrong diagnosis means you are expecting a different disease progression, could be a difference in terms of how long you are planning for. Um, So I think it's really, really fundamental in terms of just understanding the disease itself, and therefore you can find the right care. Yeah, well, I use the example of my own mom, you know, she was diagnosed with Alzheimer's disease. And they said, Oh, you know, five to seven years, because we were really pushing them, you know, for a time frame. My mom lived 30 years. And people I can't tell you how many people said, there's no way there's no way there's no way there's no way she can't And, and some family members would be like, no, that can't be true because they, they didn't <laughs> they could, here. They yeah. couldn't survive that long. But what happened to us as a family, you know, when you get a diagnosis of five to seven years or, you know, or two to three or whatever someone is telling you, you're looking at that watch kind of going, okay, okay. And if we would have, if we would have approached the disease like that, we would have been looking at my mom, like for years, time's up, honey, <laughs> you know, <laughs> ideal, you know, and None of us, you know, know the answer. And even to people who said there's no way my mom had dementia that long, we did get her brain autopsy. And I don't know if you know, um, Dr. Bill Fry, here in Minnesota, Mm -hmm. um, but he started kind of the, the nasal spray and stuff. And I had him kind of sit down with me and go over the autopsy. And he, he just kind of burst out almost like with a squeal, because he was like, and then he apologized and he's like, oh, I'm so sorry. I shouldn't have done that. And I'm like, why? I, I said, no problem here. And he's like, Lori, I've never seen a brain this atrophied in all my years. And he's been doing this since the 70s. And he's and and he autopsies brains, you know, and 
But he said, we should expect that for someone who has lived and had symptoms for 30 years. And the autopsy showed not only Alzheimer's, but um, Lewy body and Parkinson's mm, as well. Wow. And we didn't really see those symptoms per se. I think they came probably later in the progression and then they kind of get all mixed up, you know, cause she wasn't walking, she's in a wheelchair and, yeah. and those types of things. But um, it, there's so many touch points in terms of educating both, you know, the physicians and, um, and their staff as well as the families. And I loved when you said, you know, so that they're speaking the same language, because that's one of my frustrations when I stepped into this in 2008. And I was told over and over, pick a lane, just pick a lane. Are you going to talk with the medical professionals? Are you going to talk with the families? Are you going to talk with the direct care staff? And those were really the the only three options people even mentioned. No one mentioned the person you know, with dementia themselves. So aggravating. It is so aggravating. They forget sometimes that there's a person, this was your mother, Mm -hmm. not here's cluster of diseases, patient one, two, three, four, seven, a. Yeah. And a lot of that gets lost. I'm sorry you had to go through that because people get lost in the system and that's what we're fighting against. And I don't think we can really make sustainable change if we're not inclusive of all parties. You know, if we're not listening and hearing and really, um, again, what I love what you guys are doing is you're actually serving the people, um, you're listening, you're investigating instead of, um, I always used to say, why are we peeking through the windows when we can knock on the doors and have a conversation? Why are we guessing what's going on in the house, you know, or in the clinic? Um, we need to have these conversations if we, it, we don't always have to like what we hear, but that's the only way we can fix what is wrong. So kudos to you guys for taking that initiative. I just want to do a shout out to our audience. We are talking with Ting Shi and Jody Lyons, who are the co-founders of CareBrain, which is just a fascinating product that we're going to hear more about as we go. Uh, but you can visit their website, which is carebrains.com. Uh, they are also on Facebook and they have an Instagram account, Carebrains Official. So make sure that you, you know, follow and check them out. And like I always say, be a giver of hope. Don't keep this information to yourself, you know, word of mouth and social media, those little likes and clicks, they are the best way to share information because there are, again, people in your circle that need this, that you don't even know need it because there's such a discomfort having this conversation and we need to work together with that. So um, Jody, I wanna talk because I think there's a lot of confusion between normal aging and dementia. How, how do you describe that to people? That's a great question. So all of us have walked around saying, where did I put my sunglasses? Where are my sunglasses? And they're on top of your head. We've all done that. That's normal. Or we'll be driving down the highway and we miss our exit because we answered the phone or we're talking to the person in the car. That's normal. That's considered inattention, not dementia. When it becomes dementia is when it's interfering with your everyday life 
when it's a more persistent pattern. And so what we say is, first things first, pay attention to what you're doing. You walk into the room and you don't remember why you're there. It's because you're on your phone thinking of three other things and texting while you're doing it. That's just not paying attention. So normal is pay attention and see if you can concentrate. If you are paying attention and you're still having trouble concentrating and you're still having trouble remembering, or you can't retrace your steps to find the thing you lost, that's when you need to have it looked into a little bit more. I've never heard somebody um, use the phrase inattention, and I think that's perfect. Um, it's simple, it's concise, it's to the point. And, you know, our, our, you know, I know for myself for years, I prided myself on being a multitasker, you know, because technology, I didn't have to do this and I didn't have to do that because I had this and that. So then I put other things on my my plate to to do that. And now we're hearing, you know, it's not good to multitask. Exactly. So one of my co-authors on the brain health book, um, Bill Mansbach, is a PhD neuropsychologist. And he did a warm-up exercise that he taught me. And it was task shifting. You say the letters first of the alphabet, and then you count. And then you try to have the letter and the corresponding number like 1A, 2B. And he tells you to stop at a certain point. Out of all the thousands of presentations I've done over the years, I've only had one person once correctly do that exercise And that was when a teenage boy brought his grandmother to the presentation. We're not multitasking. We're switching among tasks. And as you get older, you get slower at switching. Oh, that's true. That, that is definitely true. I I appreciate um, the way you defined that. Now, if someone is worried about their memory, what should they do? I I always say first thing is clean up in aisle three. I know the doctors hate when I say it this way. Number one is you talk to your lawyer and your financial advisor and get all your legal and financial paperwork together and then start looking at your lifestyle. Are you taking certain prescriptions that can affect your cognition? There are some very commonly prescribed and over-the-counter drugs that can make somebody look absolutely like full-blown Alzheimer's and it comes in a nice little bottle with a prescription label on it. So look at your prescriptions. Look at your diet and your exercise and your sleep. And one of the biggest things that came out of the pandemic was that people were suffering from undiagnosed anxiety and depression And those symptoms were mimicking that of various dimensions. But the reason we tell everybody to go to the lawyer and financial advisor first is you don't want to forget those very important parts of how you're going to live with a disease while you're chasing down a diagnosis. You want to plan for that financially. So number one is get your legal and financial house in order. Number two is clean up your life. And then number three, go to your doctor. Well, and I like that you put the, you know, the financial and legal first, because that is one of the things that people hate to do and they push it off and they push it off and they push it off. 
Um, and I, I know people on my show have heard me say this before, but I, I ran into that own problem with my, with my own parents and I'm like, come on, you know, this is what I specialize in, da, 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 you know, and in, in trying to get you organized and transition and yada, yada, yada. And, you know, of course my dad, oh, we don't have that much. And I'm like, you have more than you think you do. And finally, I just told my husband, mm-hmm. I said, we're doing it with them. We're going to do, we're going to update our stuff. We're going to do it hand in hand. So this is not an end of life thing. This is a smart living thing. And then they were really comfortable doing that. And so that, that helped us survive, uh, survive that process because I do think so often people think about, oh, I'm dying, you know, and it's like, no, we're not pushing you off the cliff. You know, we're just getting you prepared because we're, we're all going off the cliff sooner or later. And it's just a wise thing to do. And it's easier to do and handle when you're not in a crisis, you know, when your head isn't spinning around. And, and that diagnosis, I mean, I'm still hearing from most people around the world, two to three years before they get a final diagnosis. I mean, getting if they're lucky, if they're lucky. Yeah. Yeah. Because getting into the neurologist can be six to nine months out uh, as a whole. So uh, yeah, really, really important stuff. And then I loved when you talked about cleaning up your lifestyle and really, because we don't think about how much, how much sleep we're getting. And we don't think about, you know, our medications, um, mm-hmm. and how those can be mixed. Um, there's so many little things that it might be, uh, that you're having these symptoms that isn't dementia, you know, right. from, from drinking water or sleep or medications, like you said, Um, Another, I think, really important point is once you have a diagnosis, it may disqualify you from things such as long-term care insurance, life insurance, and other things you may need in order to pay for the care you anticipate. And while you're waiting for that appointment, it's the perfect time to figure out, you know, if you're planning for 10, 20 years, you know, should you be getting long-term care insurance and there are lots of different kind of plans there. Um, and, you know, should you be putting your money in a trust? So, you know, like 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 you said, Laura, it's really longer term planning for how do you want to spend the rest of your life with all the wealth you've, you've accumulated, you can use it and actually have better mm-hmm. quality of life. And before it, it, a diagnosis that's already determining your fate and cutting you or excluding you from some of the benefits you may be getting. I'm so glad you mentioned like long-term insurance because um, there are there are many doctors out there that'll say, I'm not going to put this in your chart. <laughs> Go yeah. here first. But not all of them yeah. even know to do that right. or think to right. do that. And so you can't rely on that. You have to you know, live smart and be your best advocate with all yes. of those things. Yes, Jody, what do you what do you recommend for families when you know they get a diagnosis and then do we tell anybody? Do we tell our friends? How that do, you do anything on? Do you do any education on that? Because that is a huge question that I hear people struggle with all the time. That is a great question, and it is a huge, huge struggle, right? So. On the one hand, there are people who say, it's my private business, I don't need to tell anybody, and they treat it like it's a big military secret. Um, On the other hand, when you're really living life 
with someone who has dementia, that extra support is important. Um, for example, if your neighbors don't know that you have dementia and they find you wandering down in the middle of the street at three o'clock in the morning, then they may just think you're want, you know, taking a walk as opposed to you might need help. Or recognizing situations um, when things get worse. So nobody's saying spy on your neighbors, but it used to be in the good old days, you would know that, you know, when, when the kids got off the school bus, if mom wasn't home, there was a neighbor there to meet the kids. Or you'd notice that um, dad was on a business trip or mom's on a business trip or something like that. And you would lend a hand and be part of a community. If you don't tell people that you're dealing with dementia, they can't help you. And one of the other issues is, you know, sometimes people with dementia behave unusually and they might be behaving unusually in public. So they have a disease. You you wouldn't hide the fact that a person's in a wheelchair and like, you know, just push them down a flight of steps to see if they got there. You would make sure that there was an accessible, safe place for them. And so I always say, don't be afraid to use the word of the particular disease. Do not be afraid to explain what it means. And certainly do not be afraid to ask for help when you or the person with dementia needs help. And now addressing the real painful part, and I'm sorry that you probably had to go through this, Lori, the friends disappear. Yep. They just, so-and-so's husband just sits there like a bump on a log. We don't go anymore. Why does he sit there? Because he has aphasia and doesn't speak anymore. Doesn't mean he's not a person. Doesn't mean he doesn't understand you. Means he can't speak to you. Yep. Or just doesn't talk because they don't want to make a mistake. You know, yeah. They want to they yeah. fit in. And um, I, I know that was kind of with, with my mom. And then there's the other side too, when like with my folks, my dad had brain cancer, my mom had um, dementia. And so they would get together with their friends. They had a core group that was wonderful. And they would pick up my folks and um, they would go out to eat and everything was fine. And I would scoot over there ahead of time and make sure dad shaved and has money to pay and they're all dressed and ready to yep. go. And we really didn't tell their friends. And then, and they would go, they'd have, they'd reminisce the whole time and they'd have a good time. Well, one time they came back and I was livid because their friends said, Oh, come on down to Texas for the winter. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, there's no way they could maneuver that trip. No way, no way. And I was so mad at their friends. And then I had to look in the mirror and go, Lori, you didn't tell them. They and they're, exactly. they're reminiscing, they, yeah. everything is going smooth, everyone's having a good time, you know, and they didn't really yeah. know that there was a change in things. And um you did and, too good a job of covering, and you know we see this all the time, right? Yeah, and you think you're doing you're being helpful because you want to be dignified, but there's the other part of, of being human is being able to help and build a community of care and people like to help. It makes them feel yeah. good. And we're denying them that. 
yes. you know, and, and they feel really bad, like, oh, why didn't you tell us? And then they kind of get mad at you, you know, and, and so then that's a whole nother level you got to deal with and maneuver yeah. through too. So, and, and I know some people are just real, real private and they just don't want to go there. But um, I would seriously recommend that people think strongly about that because people can't help and they can't, they can't help the person diagnosed and they can't help you if they don't know what you need. And if you know this now or not, you're going to need emotional support, if nothing else, <laughs> you know, yes. to, to deal with this, both of you, because you're both going to probably go through depression. The family is as a whole and that you feel that ambiguous loss throughout the process. And so um, you need your tribe, you know, and so don't self-sabotage that. Um, That's thinking, exactly. Thinking, you know, you're, you're doing good. I, I did the same thing with a, another friend of my parents. I would, she could never go visit. She was one of those that she wanted to know what was going on, but she couldn't go visit my mom in the nursing home. And so about every month I would meet with her. And one day I brought a, a DVD with, and this was such a huge learning experience for me, but um, it was a music therapist, um, or I should say she wasn't a music therapist. It was a musician and a friend videoed it and myself in this, on this DVD um, cover that I made. And I was so excited to share it with her because the music, as you know, um, is, is just so penetrating, kind of brings them back to life, yes. blah, 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 blah. <clears throat> so I couldn't wait to share this. And I was meeting uh, a friend of my mom's that was probably like 76 years old. And as we're sliding our butts into the booth, I, I, I couldn't wait. And I slid the DVD over to her and she like screamed at me at the top of her lungs in the restaurant and said, I, I can't believe you've been lying to me. She looks horrible. Oh, no. Mary, you've been telling me what good care you're giving her. I've been so proud and supportive. And that doesn't even look like your mom. And she just went on and on and on. And I, I got quiet. And then I kind of had that, that nervous giggle. And then, <laughs> and then I got quiet because I just, her eyes, I mean, they were like burning through my soul. She was so mad at me. And then I looked her square in the eye and I said, Kay, thank you. Thank you. What are you thanking me for? Lori, I'm so disgusted with you. And she kind of keeps going. And I said, Kay, I'm thanking you because I didn't know you don't see what I see. Well, what the heck do you see? That doesn't look like your mom. Look at her teeth. They're all broken and chipped. Her hair's not done. She's got a billy goat hair on her chin and she looks horrible. She has no makeup, no lipstick. And I said, Kay, this is pure joy today. This is what it looks like. I said, she's like, well, what do you see? What do you see? And I said, I see the big smile. I don't focus on the broken teeth. I see the dimples. I see the glint in the eyes. I see her eyes are squinty because that's what we do in our family. We lose our eyes when we laugh. I said, when I look at this picture, Kay, I see and hear pure joy. So thank you for letting me know you don't see what I see. And I think so often people, we just assume everybody sees and knows what's going on. And we have to have those conversations because I felt bad because I kind of ambushed her 
you know, she wasn't expecting that. That wasn't something that ever even crossed my mind. You know, I just thought she would accept it. And I didn't really even see the difference because I had lived with it for so long and it came on so gradually and stuff. So there's just so many things that we have to learn and we have to share and we have to, you know, work together. And I, again, I, I love the approach that you guys are, are, are doing with this. Um, Ting, I want to pull you back in and see if you have, you know, some helpful hints for people about communicating with somebody with dementia, because that is so often something people struggle with as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I all my knowledge about dementia comes from Jody. And earlier this year, I learned that there's actually a pattern of communications, whether they're verbal or not verbal. So, for example, someone could just scream, ah, and that could mean, yes, they want something or ah, that means no, they don't want something. So with such a pattern, you could actually start to establish what their behavior may represent. And we call this almost like a way to interpret dementia speak, like a translator. You hear or see one thing that the dementia person is doing, saying, or sounding. That translates into English. That could be, I want water. And there's a pattern for almost every dementia patient, a bit dependent on their background and others. Someone like Jody could understand that communication perfectly. Someone like me, absolutely not at all. But if we can establish those patterns for each person and their behavior, we could essentially be able to translate that. And obviously, being the technologist, I mean, the use of AI I mean, or generative AI would be crucial and actually an enablement of being able to interpret dementia speak. So I think what's really exciting about this field is the maturity of technology and experts like Jody, and we could actually marry the two and be able to understand a dementia patient just based on their behavior or sounds or some verbal words. So that's the really exciting part that we're working on. Oh, that's very fun. It reminds me of when my mom was in the nursing home, we were outside one day, they were having like a little get together. And there was this one woman who was nonverbal and she was always in a wheelchair and she had a tray in front of her and she was one that would yell and she would pound on her tray and pound on her tray. And so she was pounding on her tray outside and it was a sunny day, but there was a cool breeze and the staff was not addressing her at all. So finally went over to the staff and I said, can you please get a blanket to put around her feet. Oh, that's not what she needs. And I'm like, I think she's cold because her pants were up high and she had like little footies on. And so her legs were exposed. And, you know, I'm 64 now. I know my body temperature is a lot colder than it used to be. And so um, they got this blanket and they they put it around her. But it was interesting because she knew what I said. And she stopped pounding at that point. And then she got a little... I think anxious because they weren't coming back. And so she started again and I said, they're going to come with the blanket. We put the blanket around her and she just got the most beautiful smile and the staff was just shocked. And I just knew her from visits, you know, but it's, it's looking, I think it's changing the mindset of this isn't a problem. 
this isn't a behavior. This is a clue. This is a right. reaction. Yes, and if exactly. We shift that mindset. It's easier to look for those patterns. Yes. Because we don't really understand them. Exactly. You know, we haven't right. been taught to do that. And that works with, I don't care if it's, a, you know, your two-year-old kid or your husband or your best friend. We all exactly. have patterns. So we're much more alike than different in and getting people to understand that what I call is that we are CAR e-givers and CAR mm-hmm. stands for conscious awakening of relationships and e-givers is about, you know, giving, uh, being that emotional giver to people and how do they feel because something is out of whack. Yeah. For them. Yes. And, and to be able to see the the look in the eye or you know, the tone or the squeeze of the hand. I mean, the appreciation when I can't imagine not being able to communicate. And then when someone finally gets you, it's just like, oh my gosh, thank God. You know, exactly. Um, And, and I don't think that we teach people that enough, you know, that that really is a critical aspect to any relationship. And again, that we are more similar than we are different. Exactly. Um, exactly. It's so important. So I'm I'm so glad that you brought that that up. Um, anything you want to add to that, Jody? That's basically it. Uh, our biggest goal is to get people to be educated and to communicate with each other and to make educated decisions about what's happening in their own lives and the lives around them. And so that's why they can reach out to us and I am so thrilled with our upcoming dementia interpreter because Lori, you just gave the perfect example. You knew that that behavior was a communication, not a, oh, there's a behavior, let's drug it. Yeah. She was trying to say, I am cold. And we're just trying to get people to understand and be educated and again, make educated decisions. Yeah, it was, uh, there was another one uh, in the nursing home and I'll never forget this. There was a a, a little uh, Asian um, woman and every, every um, mealtime, everything got all upset because she would, they would set up the tables and she would unset the tables. And what I watched her doing and the staff was just getting livid with her. I mean, they were, you know, they tried to correct nicely and then you could see they were like reaching their limits, you know? Um, because they couldn't understand why is she taking the silverware off the table? They just put it out and she was almost like following them. And so I said, do you mind, can I just take her for a little walk? And, and they're like, yeah, we got to get the table set, you know, please take her for a walk type thing. So, and, and she didn't speak English and I, I didn't speak her language, but we just kind of talked and we, we walked and we held hands. And, you know, I got a, we were able to communicate a little bit, but not much. And what I, what I figured out was, and it was just hilarious when we figured this out, because it made perfect sense. Her family owned a restaurant and she used to roll the silverware and she wanted (laughs) to roll the silverware. She was right. And so she just wanted a job. She was trying to help. And, you know, so they, you know, they made up a task for her to be able to do that. So she felt like she was contributing. And it was just such a silly misunderstanding 
um, that mm -hmm. was so simple. But again, you have to be able to take the time to make the connection to figure it out. Yes, absolutely. Um, so Ting, I, I'm wondering if you want to just share the screen and show us exactly when somebody lands on your page, what happens from there? Yeah, absolutely. Let me share my screen. Once you come into the Care Brain side, you'll see the Contact Us button and the Get Training button. Get Training takes you to our academy. Once you click on Contact Us, you'll get a contact form that lets you um, provide some information on how we can help you and your phone number or email. Um, we also have a chat bot here where you can ask easy questions. If you need help getting care, if you need some guidance, or if you want to chat with someone, or you just want to book a brief call. And if you clicked on our um, Get Training part, it will take you to our Academy website. And our Academy has all of the courses that we mentioned. We've got the professional training, um, the legal professional training, and training for caregivers. You can easily click on View Course. And you'll get a free training, about 30 minutes long, that just gives you an overview about dementia. A lot of the topics we discuss here, it's actually in this very short video. And then you can go over our course, which is a series of nine mini courses with a lot of examples, scientific um, um, evidence in terms of, you know, why all of these, why the disease progressing that way and what changes to expect. We cover the financial part, the legal part, insurance, how to get care, how to get care paid for, and how to communicate. We have a, a section focused on communication, communicating with the patient, communicating with family caregivers, and communicating with your um, support team, um, your lawyers and your medical staff. Um, so you can take a look around um, at our course. And lastly, we have a guide, which is a, we mentioned a 360 assessment. This is a mini version of that, that goes through um, various topics that um, will help us get a better understanding of what help we can provide readily and whether you sh you can take our training to understand more or we can um, jump in and help you through the process. So those are the what you can expect from our website. Wonderful. And is there a cost for the training? There's free training. There's also um, the course training that's different price points because there are nine courses. Each course is about $98, but reach out to us. We can certainly provide um, friendly, lowery audience discounts. Okay. Yes. Wonderful. Well, that's fantastic. And then you have this again, because we have professionals that, that listen to the show as well. So you have information for them as well and CEUs. Yes. Exactly. Go ahead, Jody. Um, and it's C ACCME accredited. So that it goes towards doctor's licenses. So it's um, physicians, pharmacists, nurses, psychologists, and social workers. Wonderful. Yeah, that what a group that needs the information for sure. Mm -hmm. That's fantastic. Well, this is really exciting. Is there anything that we that we missed that we should talk about? I think you were very thorough, Lori. I think we've uh, covered everything. And again, people can reach out to us with questions. And, you know, we're, we're available as a resource. It's, um, 
we're thrilled to be part of your team, Lori, and and on your website and and in your community. We all have to work together. Yeah, we really do. We really do. That's the only way we're gonna make progress at at some some type of speed. You know, all of us doing it alone yeah. are just a bunch of turtles running around. You know, banging heads out there. Exactly. So, exactly. Um, Ting, anything else that you wanted to mention? Um. I'd say, you know, I started my journey on dementia thinking I'd start Googling, you know, what is dementia? What is dementia care? And <laughs> ended up in a loophole, a black hole of assisted living ads and people calling me about, hey, let's set up a visit to the assisted living. But I'm at the point on that that may not be what I want. I just want to know what is the disease? What are my options? And it was incredibly hard to find that for someone who is very tech savvy it was really really hard to find the right information so obviously I called Jody and said explain to me you know break it down to me what do I need to know because I'm anticipating this you know in my life and for my parents what do I need to understand and she brought it brought me down to the fundamentals of what is the disease what is dementia and what are the different pathways you would go through. It's the most clear way of understanding and thorough way of understanding the the disease that I as a very tech savvy person could not find on the internet. And that's also why we really putting a lot of effort to put together the CareBrains training to help make it easy to understand and logical as we try to navigate this hugely convoluted system that is our US healthcare. Yeah, it it is uh, it, it is spooky to travel this journey alone. I mean, and if you yeah. can't maneuver the internet, um, you know, and and you go to Google, and I know everyone believes in Google and play by their rules and stuff, but but I, I'm kind of an anti Google girl because I I it drives me nuts the pay for play game because just because somebody has money doesn't mean they're going to serve you well. And um, I know a lot of big companies won't like me saying that, but that that has been my experience. That is my belief. And uh, and I'm so glad you guys joined Dementia Map with us because right. most of the, the services, products and tools we have there are small to mid-sized businesses that nobody knows about. And they are like, oh my gosh, I had no idea this even existed to help support me on this journey because you wouldn't even know to ask for it because you you don't even know what the terms are I mean again you know when we talked about even going to the doctor you don't even know you need a neurologist you know so you go into your general GP and if they don't refer you many people don't know to ask further and so we've got to get it all interconnected so I love the the group that you're targeting for um, education on the professional level. I think that that is really critical. And I love how simple you've made it for families as well. And in a reasonable price, you know, hopefully one of these days insurance companies will actually pick up on this and and upon diagnosis, send people your way um, because it would save time, money and energy on everybody's part to be able to have those things connected together. So thank you ladies for taking the time to be with us today. Um, to our listeners, again, I, I hope you learned as much as I did on here. CareBrains is just an exceptional, exceptional um, technology that you can tap into to really find some, some critical support that 
even if you don't know you're going to need it, you're going to need it, <laughs> you know, so um, take advantage of that. And also, you know, I always ask you to be a giver of hope, like click and share. It's not because I'm tracking those Google numbers and those likes and clicks and shares. Those numbers mean absolutely nothing to me. What matters to me is connecting people to services, products, and tools that they need. And they don't even sometimes know they can ask for it, that something exists out there. And you can, you can be a big piece in that that takes you a couple of seconds and it costs you no money, but it can be life changing for somebody on the receiving end. So be a giver of hope and um, point people to, to the show here um, where they can access the information or point them directly to carebrains.com or their Facebook page um, or their Instagram page. And you know, help people live a better, more gracious life together. You know, we're, we're all better together. So thanks, everybody. Appreciate your time with us today. And if we at Alzheimer's Speaks can help as well, um, you know, please visit our free educational resource page, uh, too. We have tons of information we've been um, developing since 2009. And, um, you know, if that can help you spread the word, it's all free. So we will talk with you later. Bye now. Hey everybody, Jared Sebesti, your host of Retire Repurposed. This podcast is dedicated to help people transition into fulfilling and purposeful retirements. Retirement is a big life change. In fact, the two most dangerous years of a person's life are the year they were born and the year they retire. Few people could just flip the switch from working a career 30 or 40 plus years retiring on Friday without methodical steps to living what we call a repurposed retirement. To listen now, search Retire Repurposed on your favorite podcast platform, Senior Resource, or Life Audio.